Okay, so as David said, we are at the last part of this letter to the Church of God in Thessalonica. A letter to the Thessalonians, written by Paul, and as we've gone through it, you'll remember, of course, that the main thrust of it was to, for them to appreciate, to be exhorted, to be counselled, and to be have their light there lies focused on the fact that Jesus is coming again. Uh, that was a motivator, and that was a theme, the main theme through her letter. And we come to the last part of it, and we're just looking at verse chapter 5, verse 12 through to the end, which is, just to quickly break it down, it's just a some comments that are made to overseers and to the saints in the Church of God in Thessalonica um, for them to consider certain things and then to just round up the type of life uh, that Paul would encourage them to live, that they would be sanctified and to recognize their sanctification and what that means and what it would how they could apply it to their lives and what it meant to their lives and then a final salutation rounding off the letter let's read it together first it's not there's not many verses so first thessalonians 5 verse 12 to the end now we ask you brothers to respect those who work hard among you and who are over you in the Lord and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard in love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. And we urge you, brothers, warn those who are idle, encourage the timid, help the weak, be patient with everyone. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong but always try to be kind to each other and to everyone else. Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not put out the Spirit's fire. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. Test everything. Hold on to the good. Avoid every kind of evil. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. Brothers, pray for us. Greet all the brothers with a holy kiss. I charge you before the Lord to have this letter read to all the brothers. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. A lovely conclusion, I think, to this letter. It starts off in verse 12, anyway, with the mention that he would like the church to respect those who had the rule over them. 
who had um, the responsibility of looking after them. The word that it means to rule over or to um, who are over you is the, the, the Greek word that actually means to stand before. And it's, it painted a picture in my mind. It's a little bit like the, I suppose, the, the teacher-pupil uh, relationship that, that they, at least in my day, the teacher stood in front of the class. And in order for there to be any profitable outcome in that class, the teacher had to know what he was teaching and had to be able to teach and had to command respect and attention. And the pupil had to want to learn. And if these things didn't come together, then the outcome was probably pretty disastrous. And it's the same when it comes to uh, working together in churches of God. And this was something that Paul was encouraging them, encouraging them in Thessalonica. He was, he was saying to them that you really need to consider those that stand before you because they have to be honored. They have to be respected. Otherwise, you're not going to listen to them, are you? <laughs> you're not going to have any respect for them. And he's painting the picture, uh, which I, I really want to sort of home in on, is this two-way thing, the responsibility of those people, these people who rule over us, who have the responsibility of teaching us, who have that God-given responsibility uh, and what how we respond to that I want to read a verse in Hebrews Hebrews uh, chapter 13 and verse 17 and it's talking about overseers and it says obey and submit to your leaders for they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy, not with grief. Because this would be unprofitable for you. And it was just really to just picking up particularly that overseers, some are good <laughs> and some are not so good. Some are better than others. Some have got some gifts and others don't have as many gifts, put it that way. But all of us have to give an account. And it's a, it's a sobering thought. Now, I remember it was something that was stressed to me when I was invited, if you like, to become an overseer. And it's something I think that most would be confronted with in would spend time before the Lord considering that that responsibility that uh, we have of over the flock is that we're going to give an account one day and we're going to give an account to him who gave us this responsibility to look after the flock. And we're going to be asked 
what went wrong, what went right. We give an account. That's sobering. And it's, it highlights, I suppose, our inadequacies. But the importance of it, it highlights the, the need for us to be constantly before the Lord, seeking help, because this is a responsibility and a job that we can't do on our own. We can't do it without help, without the power of the Holy Spirit. The second verse I just wanted to uh, mention on this line was Acts 20 and 28, which says, be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has given you as overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd in the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. Again, I've just picked out these two scriptures because they're very sobering scriptures. We have the responsibility for the flock. It's his flock that he's chosen. But more importantly, he's purchased and it's cost him his blood. And that's how precious the flock is. And overseers are given the responsibility to look after, to care for, because they're his. So when we look at this a two-way thing, the responsibility that overseers have towards the flock and to each other, but also the response coming back. And that's what we read, we read here in these verses in, in 12 to 15, that it's love and to live in peace with is what is being asked of the saints, to love those that have got this responsibility and be at peace with them. And their overseer's responsibility is to encourage and to help and to be patient. And these are things that don't come naturally. It's easier to be critical. It's easier to dismiss. Um, we all know teachers that we've had that really gave up on us because they were just too harsh. They didn't have the patience and they tend to home in on the ones that are interested. Overseers do the same. It's easier to look after the ones that are interested, the ones that respond, the ones that come to everything. And the ones that don't, they're harder work. And so it's easier for them to get left behind. So that two-way thing there, I think um, Paul is encouraging the Church of God in Thessalonica. It's really an encouragement for the Church of God in Manchester's overseers and saints and Liverpool, we have here too. Um, that responsibility that we all have because uh, should result in us getting on together for the church uh, benefiting and 
being pleasing to the Lord. He then goes on to list quite a number of things. And I'm going to quickly go through those because um, some of them are what you'll have heard before. And some of them just need a little bit of time because, uh, and Paul's summarizing because he's already covered a lot of this already. In verse 16, he says, be joyful always. Um, a natural reaction to when you read that is, well, <laughs> that's not possible. Uh, it's uh, how can you go around being joyful all the time? Of course, it just needs a little bit more thought to know what is it I mean uh, behind it all. And I think First uh, Timothy six maybe it talks about contentment. That godliness with contentment is great gain. And it goes on to talk about that we brought nothing into this world, and we're going to certainly take nothing out. Uh, and therefore, we should consider that well when it comes to be joyful always it's it's a contentment what paul is is teaching here is that the always is that we who have been purchased by the blood of christ we who are loved have our future secure the lord is waiting for us and Whatever type of life we have and its difficulties, however prosperous we are or poor, however healthy we are or ill, uh, these things um, he will be with us and help us with. But look past that and focus on the things that lift our hearts and our eternity with God our eternity in Christ, our eternity in joyful appreciation of the wonders and the glories of heaven is something that you can spend your whole life considering. And it makes you rejoice, doesn't it? Whatever you've got in this, this world and whatever joy we get out of our life here, it's going to be nothing in comparison with what we're going to have. And that's great. So even if we have a, a tough time here, then it's maybe easier to see the, the, the future and the joy of the future. Um, but even if we are quite content and uh, rejoicing in our life here and, and wanting to carry on as long as possible, it's still rejoice that things are going to get better, even more. Looking on to pray continually was another thing that you think, well, how do you do that? <laughs> how can you pray continually? I think I've often said to, to, to saints in Manchester and other ministries that I can still remember the, the joy I had in the realization that prayer didn't consist of me just kneeling down by my bed and clasping my hands and shutting my eyes. But um, prayer continually meant something to me many years ago. Uh, it sort of dawned on me one time and uh, I could pray all the time. And it's just looking around me. And in a day like today, and if you 
either go out and see a bit of scenery and uh, just enjoy God's handiwork. And it's so easy, isn't it, just to speak to him, to talk to him about his creation and say, <laughs> you're a great God. Thank you for giving me this and helping me appreciate the wonders of your, your uh, creation. It's just uh, to do it always is just to be constantly content and to even in a, a, a wild day, some, it can, you can enjoy the storm. You can enjoy being maybe indoors and, and um, missing the, the, the power of it or the, the, the negativity of it or being cold and wet. Uh, there, there's so much in life that we can appreciate the, the love for each other, uh, the care and the surroundings and the God's hand is just everywhere. And we see it, we should see it in each other. And so when the always comes out, it's, it's just something that we should have God before us all the time. And if we have that, if we are constantly, as, as Paul had been talking about the coming again of the Lord, we should be looking forward to that. We're always thinking about that. We're thinking about where we are, what God has done, what he's going to do, and that we have been set apart. We are in a, such a privileged position. So why should life be harsh? Why should we be so negative sometimes? Why should we be downhearted? Why should we be upset? Why is there so much negativity? Well, of course, Satan's active. And being realistic about it, we think, well, you've got to have a downtime. There's got to be negativity. But our prayer should be constantly praying, constantly appreciating that, that God is in overall control and he's going to fix all these things. And we can look forward to that. The next thing was in, in everything, give thanks. Well, I had penned in um, Philippians 4 and 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Well-known verse, and I know and sometimes we're, we're very quick sometimes to read these verses and, or quote them to each other. Um, I think it's trying to bring them out at the right time because we do get anxious and we have anxieties. We all have them. But it's, uh, it's getting it into context and bringing it to the Lord and just being able to convert these anxieties that we have and taking them in prayer and presenting them to God. And, and you recognize the, the power of God and the majesty of God that when sometimes it helps our anxieties shrink somewhat and that we realize that what we're concerned about is pretty meager, pretty small, when you see the vastness of God. And everything, 
just give thanks. Um, Ephesians 4, um, verse 7. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. That's how Paul was saying is how we get around these anxieties, is that God gives us the grace. It's, a, it's not something we can collect ourselves. It's not something that we can manufacture ourselves. It's not something we even get from each other. It comes from God. And ask for it. And uh, he'll give it. Because that's, that's the outcome in everything. Give thanks. And his promise will be that uh, he'll give what we ask for. He'll give us the grace. Verse uh, 19 speaks of uh, the Holy Spirit. Do not put the spirits, do not put out the spirit's fire or do not quench the spirit, Some says in some versions. There's a, there's a verse that talks about uh, grieving the spirit um, in Ephesians, again, Ephesians 4. There's a difference between grieving the spirit and quenching the spirit. And maybe it's pretty obvious to you. Um, to quench the spirit, you pour water on it, put it out. You remember when they, in the upper room, when the Holy Spirit was given to these disciples there, it talked about the Holy Spirit coming and there was like flames of fire, streaks of fire that went into them. And again, I think the purpose of that was to make it look, you know, exactly what the, the power they were receiving. Uh, this was God entering them. Uh, the Holy Spirit was like a fire. You sometimes hear prayers that go up that, that ask for the Holy Spirit to well up within us, to fire up and to be burning bright to make us motivated in our service for the Lord. I think if we allow uh, worldly things, we call it worldly things, we can allow sin in our hearts to take over. Um, that can grieve the spirit. But I think in these cases, if we can appreciate it's happening and do something about it and pray or actively remove the sin that's in our lives, then um, the spirit ceases to be grieved and is allowed expression in our lives. But I think if we constantly allow the sin to dominate and then we're made up of uh, spirit, soul and body and our bodies are sinful and it's Satan's ever powerful, and if we allow sin to get into our lives and we don't deal with it and it takes hold until it becomes a major part of our lives, then the danger is that the spirit will be quenched. In other words, the fire will go out. I think this is what Paul was, is warning them against. Is, you know, Don't quench the spirit here. 
be careful about it. Um, and he's, he's summing it up quickly, and I suppose I'm trying to do the same, is that you can spend a lot of time and going through this. It, it's an individual thing between you and the Lord, and me and the Lord. We know what the, the sin that we have in our lives, it needs dealing with, it needs cleansing, and for the, the Holy Spirit to be given the freedom to work within us, that we've got to keep this necessity of uh, being sanctified and being cleaned so that he is not put out. Also talks in verse 20 about do not treat prophecies with content. Um, again, we can be very guilty of doing that. It's just uh, remembering that uh, when you hear a message, and I mentioned at the beginning there may be some who are more gifted than others when it comes to uh, preaching and teaching and giving prophecies, um, that there are people that are easier to listen to and easier to remember and, and take on board. Uh, but be careful, because brethren should be before the Lord. Uh, and I think most people would know whether you had, they had or they hadn't as to how much preparation had gone into it and what scripture was being used. Um, but we'd like to think that most, if not all, that you're receiving, whether it be from Zoom or the platform or from teaching, is that people who've gone before the Lord, who are using scripture as to support what they are seeing, is that this is of God, and therefore be careful about being too critical. <laughs> um, easy to be critical and think, well, I never got anything out of that. Sometimes it's not the preacher's fault. Sometimes it is, but sometimes it's not. It's just that you're not listening to God speak because we don't recognize it from God. So don't, uh, so again, Take, bear that in mind also. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. Test everything like the Bereans. Hold on to the good and avoid every kind of evil. They're sort of natural things. I mean, the Bereans, some we constantly um, held up um, as people who did not just take what Paul said. They, they searched the scriptures themselves. They tested it. And that's what we should all do. And you're only going to do that, of course, if you've got interest, if you're designed in a way that you want to know. And if something stirs your heart that a preacher has said or somebody prophesying has said, then take it away and take it to God and look at, search the scriptures and see if it can back it up and make it your own. Not just something Davy King said to you, so therefore I'll, I'll, he said that, so therefore that's, I'll just take that as read. Check it out. Because that's what the Lord wants you to do. It's got to be real to you. So just uh, in closing, I want to, uh, the latter part um, uh, of this, uh, that the God of peace, the God himself, who is the God of peace, he says, sanctify you through 
through and through. Yes, uh, this is presenting God as a sanctifier. He is the one who sets us apart and he sets apart us as a whole of spirit, soul, and body. That's why we can't have um, a sanctified soul and a sinful body. It doesn't work. And it, it, it's good for us to know that our, our inner being uh, is, that is with, with Christ and will always be with him. And then we have this outer body that is uh, decaying <laughs> and may die. It's a, our outer body that can be sinful. And it's something that's a constant striving that goes on, a constant warring that goes on. But in First Peter 2, we're, we are encouraged to uh, to be aliens and strangers in the world, to abstain from sinful things which war against your soul. These are things that Paul was telling them there to look out for. But God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul and body be kept blameless. Because the Lord's coming and we want if we're alive, we want to be able to be presented to him as people who have been sanctified and cleansed, not just the inward, but all of the whole of us. We will be presented as the bride of Christ in all perfection, and that's Christ's perfection. But we want to make sure that we've been sanctified too by homing in on the power of the word of God and listening to and responding to the word of God and being sanctified through and through. So I just leave that thought, these thoughts with you. And at the end of this, this book, um, there's a the, the salutation at the end, which really amounts to three things is that we need prayer we need fellowship and we need unity because that's what it says pray for us greet all the brothers with a holy kiss that's fellowship love each other and I charge you that this letter should be read to all the brothers that's unity the importance of that communion, communing and communication together that we seek and strive after in churches of God, to have that unity, to know what's going on in other churches of God and for the unity of the elderhood uh, in conference and in letters, etc. And all be embraced by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And they all said, Amen. Thank you.